welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, and today's guest, Dr. I almost said it wrong, almost, Mark, uh, he is joining us, Mark Halperin. That's right, Dr. Mark Halperin is joining us to talk about a revolution that is taking place. No, it has absolutely nothing to do with any of the other revolutions that you may have heard of uh, in the news media, either uh, in the present time or going back, I don't know, what is it, 240, 250 years, something like that? No, 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 nothing to do with those revolutions. This is one in which we are going to, I'll put it in our vernacular, change the world for the better for everyone. Make it a good place, a better place, because even today, it's not horrible. It's not a place where, where's the rocket ship? I got to get on board and get out of here. No, 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 no. We can make this a better place. And Dr. Mark Halpern, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. And just to dispel any uh, any uh, connections there, uh, uh, no relation to Stephen Halperin, the I, I like <laughs> to call him the metaphysical musician. Creates some incredible, uh, incredible music. I will be looking him up after the show for sure because well, I've never yeah. heard of him. We've had him on the program a, a time or two and uh, really enjoyed uh, uh, meeting him and talking with him considering I've been listening to his music for uh, probably more than 40 years. So wow. I still have the albums. I'm talking about the vinyl uh, from the 70s and early 80s. So um, i uh, got some uh, antiques, I guess you'd call them by now. I'm not <laughs> sure how old something has to be to before. I have an appraiser friend who could tell me that. Yes. Uh, the coherence uh, revolution, uh, as you call it, finding flow in your journey to the present moment. I want to share uh, an, a quick analogy that I came up with some years ago. I've been doing uh, audio editing for, well, uh, over 40 years. I've been in the business for over 40 years. But when it came down to uh, doing it on the computer, it gave a beautiful representation of the past, present, and future. And I'm sure you've seen uh, audio uh, uh, on a screen. You've seen it being recorded. And you see that little line that kind of flutters right there in that one spot as the wave is created. <clears throat> on the left side of the line where the wave is being created is the past. It's already happened. On the right side of that line is the future. Nothing's been written yet. It's at that line, that demarcation spot. That's the present moment. And that is what you're talking about in terms of getting us to that present moment. So the first question I have for you is uh, to define some terms. What is coherence? Sure. Well, I think we all understand coherence in our own way, but coherence is balance. Coherence is being in the flow. And so in a very uh, basic way, if you're an athlete and you've said that you're in the zone, well, that's incoherence. You, you mean time slows down. Everything is just functioning the way it should be. Your body's functioning at 100%. Um, other people might recognize coherence. You know, when you walk in a room and there's someone across the, the way that you just feel attracted to go and speak to that person, there's some type of coherent rhythm uh, or sync between the two of you. Uh, but what I'm really talking about in the book is physiological coherence. And it's a state of balance and it's a state of uh, being in an uplifted, renewed state. 
And we do that with getting our heart rhythm. It's, it's about getting your heart and brain entrained to the same frequency. And what happens is our brain, our heart is approximately 40 times stronger than the brains electrically. And so in the body, as in the world, a smaller wave will take on a bigger, a bigger wave. Um, and so what that means is that, you know, if you're in an ocean, a bigger wave will take on a smaller wave. And so in our body, if our heart is the strongest frequency, then it will entrain the brain's frequency. And so when you start getting your heart rhythm into a coherent sine wave, a nice rhythm, it starts to entrain the parts of the brain that deal with decision-making, that dis deal with stress, that uh, deals with pain and um, immune function and all, all of the higher brain functions. And so the idea is to, when you're in this coherent state, this is when your digestive system is in, is in sync with your, the rest of your rhythms. It's when your cells are literally all vibrating and buzzing at the same frequency. And it's when you're at your absolute best. And so the idea is we're not usually incoherent. Most of us are incoherent most of the day and we're not making good decisions and we're feeling overwhelmed and, and we're not responding to our environment in an appropriate way. So by getting into a physiological coherent state, you can start to make better decisions, have better interactions, better relationships, better uh, better outcomes, uh, and really deal with straight stress and overwhelm. And that's what that's really what this is about. Now, you have a connection with uh, the organization called HeartMath. It's been a long time since we've had them on the program. They're representatives, and uh, I need to get in touch with them to do that. But tell me about your connection with them, because obviously, when I first saw Coherence Revolution, I'm thinking. Gee, there's a global coherence uh, uh, organization right. with HeartMath. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the two the two places that really got um, I was educated on coherence was through HeartMath and through Dr. Joe Dispenza, who does a lot of work with HeartMath um, on coherence. And I started with the tools and techniques and biofeedback equipment of HeartMath way back in around 2005. But at that point, it was really just a something I was trying for anxiety because I, I, I suffered with so much anxiety that I was trying everything at the time. And I tried heart math a little bit, but it, it, I didn't really get it. I didn't embody it. And maybe five or six years later, 2010, 2011, I really started getting into heart math and, and being, being able to utilize it in my own life. And several years later, I became a certified uh, a heart math practitioner. And so back in 2019, 2020, as um, just before the pandemic, I had been wanting to start to teach heart math to people. And I saw online that there was um, a someone who was a teacher, someone who was experienced, and they had some openings in their class and said, even if you're a certified practitioner, if you want to learn from me, then, you know, come on board. So I decided to take that. And it turns out that the person that was delivering the course was, his name was Bruce Cryer. And Bruce was the ex-CEO of HeartMath. And he had, for his own reasons and health issues and his journey, um, he had uh, not worked for HeartMath for a few years as their CEO. And he was looking to sort of get back into um, this type of work. And we just hooked up. And afterwards, I said, you know, I think we have a good connection. And I think we resonate with each other. And so he came on as a partner for Coherence Rev Revolution with me. And he's been really helping guide uh, the two of us together, really created this process of the Coherence Revolution which at the very heart of it, pun intended, um, <laughs> is heart math. You know, in the six-week online course, we, we dive into all kinds of concepts about how to create coherence 
but each week we learn new heart math techniques. And so by the end of the six weeks, you've learned this uh, practical technique of how to self-regulate your emotional response, but we're also diving into our senses, um, you know, the sense of smell, taste, uh, sight, sound, all of these things can produce coherence if you delve in and figure out what works uh, for you. And that's really what the course is about, is figuring out what works uh, for you. Mm. And that's a key right there. What works for you? There is no one size fits all. And I know, too, that uh, there are um, institutions in this world that uh, kind of want to push that one size fits all. One of them is the medical community. Uh, and then the other, from my perspective, is the philosophical or some would call it the religious uh, community that says, oh, no, there's only one path. There's only one way to get there. And this is the way that you go. And it's, that never made any sense to me. Um, it just was illogical. Uh, forgive the, the Vulcan vernacular there. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to see uh, uh, more people realize that there is more to this life than what we've been told. Did it take a while for you to uh, sort of break away from uh, the institutional, what we might call programming um, that, that has been out there, obviously, for a long, long time? Uh, to go your own way. Did that, did that come fairly easily for you or was that a challenge? Was there even more anxiety there? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, by the time I was in my late teens, I'm now 50 and, and my journey with this really started when I was in my late teens. Uh, anxiety was fairly bad and I developed anxiety over uh, my teen years. And by the time I was 18, I was already reading books on philosophy, but I was also a very good student and very scientific. And I always had sort of this both sides of me. And my approach as early as 18, 19 years old was to essentially try everything I could to figure out what my anxiety was. And my, my approach was I'm going to eventually figure it out and then I'll be fine and I'll live the rest of my life without anxiety. Um, and so I tried every Western-based approach you could imagine, and every sort of alternative approach. I mean, I was doing, I had tried medications, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychotherapy, I psychiatrists, psychologists, all of those. But I also did homeopathy and naturopathy and chiropractic. And I also went to energy healers and I went to people who worked with the quantum and I work with people who do past life regression. And I mean, really, I did it all. I read all the books and I went to a million different types of treatments, therapies, this, that, and the other. Uh, and so for me, it was just this constant um, discovery and figuring out what would work. And, you know, inevitably, every time I started something new, it felt encouraging. I had hope and I felt, okay, this is going to be it. And then two, three months would go by and they'd say it's going to take a little bit of time. And then a little bit of time would go by and now I'd start feeling a little bit disappointed in didn't matter what method it was, it wasn't working. And so I kind of went, it went by the wayside and um, you know, everything I, my transformation has been about five, six, seven years in the making of really diving into heart math and some of these concepts, but what pulled it all together ironically was the pandemic because on March 15th of 2020 uh, we were about to open up our clinic. We had just done a renovation. And when we went in, the government basically locked us down and we were told to go home for an indeterminate amount of time. And I realized with my experience, um, I wouldn't be good with the uncertainty of going home and not knowing when I could practice, when I could work again, how my family was going to do. 
And so I just decided I was going to turn this into a positive. And so I went through every course, every book, everything that I'd ever done for anxiety, um, all the books that I had, you know, turned over those little pages that one day I would come back to. Well, these were the days that I was doing that. So I went back and I went through everything. And what ended up coming out of it was the book because I just started writing and writing what worked and what didn't work. I write down, I wrote down my journey. Um, and I realized that this book would be a great companion to be able to teach heart math and to teach people some of these concepts. And that's how I designed the six week course. So it really has been an evolution to a revolution, you know, eventually, because it, it was everything that had worked for me, everything that hadn't worked for me, and then really simplifying it so that I could put it into a process that if people go into the process and take their time and, and go into each aspect, they can figure out for themselves how to create this coherent um, process and be able to put themselves in a coherent state on a daily basis. We are talking with Dr. Mark Halpern about the coherence revolution, finding flow in your journey to the present moment. And you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for staying with us here on the program. This is a program designed with new paradigms for a new world as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And uh, Mark's uh, revolution, his coherence revolution, seeks to initiate dramatic change by creating a fundamentally new way of being for millions around the world. We might put a B on that, uh, Doc, and call it billions, because we're fast approaching, if not already there, to the eight billion mark. And it's free of fear, negative and mind chatter. Boy, there you go. That's a big one for a lot of folks, uh, myself included. Self-destruction woes, essential struggles, and a whole lot more. And because you can only create a dream, a dream life from a place of coherence. Uh, and uh, that's something that we talk about here, about giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. That's really what we're looking at doing is taking the dreams that we have. They're coming from somewhere, those desires, those impulses for uh, pursuing a particular vocation, if you will, career. I, I heard this one, this one country song that says, you know, find something you love to do and call it work. And I, I'm, I was thinking, why would I call it work if it's something I love to do? Um, a vocation I like better. Uh, and uh, it gives that, if you will, that, that perspective of, hey, I'm good. You know, I'm having a great time. And I'm not planning on stopping what I'm doing. When you worked through uh, this whole aspect of the anxiety and, uh, and so forth, uh, I guess I should ask you, really, have you? Have you finally gotten through that tunnel, if you will? Have you broken through to the other side yet? Or are you still, do you still deal with and need to use some of these modalities to, to sort of... Um, May, I don't know if the word is manage or cope with the anxieties that you've had for a better part of your life. Well, I would say um, a little bit of one, and a little bit of the other. In other words, um, as you start to change your neurological set point, and I think one of the concepts that hit me so hard is that anxiety is almost like an addiction. 
because as your brain starts ruminating on different stressors, you start producing chemicals and those chemicals are stress hormones that end up producing anxiety. And as you produce more anxiety, you produce more fearful thoughts, which produce more chemicals, which produce more anxiety. And it becomes this cycle and your body for, for lack of a better explanation is getting used to the release of those chemicals. And eventually they start to almost crave them. And so you'll notice that people who suffer with anxiety, once they get rid of one problem or one perceived problem, their brain searches their environment or their life for other problems to worry about, essentially so that they can get the same chemical release and worry about, get the same uh, adrenal rush. And they're just worrying and worrying about other things now. And so the idea is that most people have a neurological set point for stress, anxiety, and overwhelm. And as you start to use techniques like heart math or the other uh, techniques I use in my book, it's, um, it's really about uh, creating a new set point and creating a new uh, emotional set point. And so by practicing these techniques and by practicing heart math, what you're doing is you're you're practicing the emotions that you want to feel. And as you start to practice them, your body gets more used to creating those chemicals. And as you get used to producing those chemicals, you start to create a new set point for stress and your emotional, uh, emotional life. And so for me, over time, there have been um, triggers or anxiety producing uh, occasions that no longer affect me. Mm-hmm. They're gone. Mm-hmm. But there are some that still do trigger me. But the difference is now when it's a trigger that might be 30 years old, maybe it happened from something when I was in my teens or in my 20s, instead of it lasting for hours, days and weeks of anxiety, I now have a toolbox that that anxiety can be a few minutes, Mm. or I can change it to a different emotional state at will. And that's really what it's about is taking charge, because most of us are not going to get rid of every stressor we've ever had. Uh, I would love to get through all of my anxiety and never deal with it ever again. But I don't see that as my goal now. What I see as a goal is to create a process in my life where I'm waking up every day and I'm achieving the emotional states that I would, I'd like to set out for myself. And that's one thing we talk about in the program is that when you create a daily schedule for yourself, you don't only create a schedule for the things you want to do. You actually have an idea of the emotions that you want to feel during different times of the day so that you can have a toolbox of things to help you achieve it. So for instance, in the morning, if you wake up anxious or stressed like I used to, what are the things that you can have ready in the morning, whether it's a diffuser with a certain smell that might uplift you for the day? Maybe there's certain clothes that put you in a certain mood. Maybe there's a visual, something visual. Maybe there's something auditory. And the idea is that you use the world around you to start to change your emotional state because the morning emotional state might be different from lunch, might be different from the evening, might be different from the night. And so you develop this toolbox. You know that you can use these smells at different times of the day and these visual landscapes or different things to look at, different types of sounds and music, different foods, different people. How do you use the world around you to change your emotional state? And for me, the most powerful of those was heart math, which was a technique that I can use in the moment. And it can shorten almost any emotional response I have and, uh, or a negative emotional response. And it can make me, um, or I can choose a renewing emotion and start to feel it. And that's the power of learning these things is it's not about getting rid of anything. It's about setting a new set point for yourself emotionally. Hmm. 
Dr. Mark Halperin is my guest, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for uh, the opportunity to come uh, into wherever you are. Uh, I was going to say come into your ears. <laughs> But we can also come in through your eyes because we're on YouTube. That's right. We have a channel called Tell Me Your Story, and it's Richard Dugan. Uh, there's another one up there somewhere. Uh, I've seen it, uh, but this guy does not wear a black hat. I hope he doesn't start because uh, there'll be such confusion. But then again, he'll also have to grow a beard. And uh, we hope that you'll go to that channel uh, and you will find us uh, because our banner is... Uh, the Decade of Perfect Vision, where we uh, encourage you to go within. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we continue talking with Dr. Mark Halperin here about the coherence revolution. Uh, has there been, uh, well, actually, let me back that question out first um, and ask you, what has your anxiety taught you? Well, uh, I mean, what anxiety tells me is that is that most of us have um, built up energies within our body that need to be released. It's always about energy and about being able to get rid of that energy. It, it's always stuck and stagnant. And so for me, it's um, what I realized with the anxiety is that it's not, it's not a thing that has to be there. In other words, I was told years ago by many, many therapists, it will take you months or years to get rid of this anxiety. Just do all of this work and you can get rid of it. And what I've learned about anxiety is you can get rid of anxiety in seconds if you're doing the right things. Mm -hmm. You know, imagine yourself at home. I'm not sure whether you or any of your listeners have been at home and you are upset, you're, you're miserable, maybe you're crying, maybe you're having a panic attack, but things aren't good. Mm -hmm. And then someone knocks on your door and you've got to get yourself together to go answer that door. Most people, they summon up enough energy and they go to the door and they, you know, wipe their tears, they tighten up their shirt, whatever they got to do, but mm -hmm. they're, they're in a state that they can answer the door. They open the door and whoever's there, they're not feeling anxiety in that moment. They're present with that person. And so what they do is they engage with them. And maybe there's a little thing in the back of their head saying, God, I wish this person would go away because I want to go back and break down again. Mm -hmm. but, if it, but if they're honest with themselves in that 30 seconds, they're not feeling depressed or anxious. They're in the moment and they're right there. And so you can get rid of the anxiety almost immediately when you're, when you summon up enough energy. And to me, it's about what can you do to get rid of it and summon up enough of a, a response that's greater than the response that, that you're having. And so, you know, in my book, I talk a lot about um, the extreme sports that I've done. And most people say, well, doesn't that cause you more anxiety? And my response is always, well, I was already anxious. So I felt like I was jumping out of a plane every day, or I was about to write my final exam or jump off a cliff or whatever analogy you want to use. And so when I was doing actually jumping out of an airplane or jumping off a cliff or going scuba diving with sharks or whatever it was, it wasn't because I was looking for the adrenal rush. For me, it was about getting into the moment. And those things were very powerful at putting you in the moment because the only time I never felt anxiety was when I was in the moment. If I was thinking about the future, I was anxious. So I was thinking about the past, I was depressed. But if I was right there engaged, I felt no anxiety. And so I searched out things that I could do to put me in the moment. And what I realized over years is that I didn't have to do 
all those extreme things, even though I like them, things like heart math, things like different music, things like painting, things like reading, things like getting in a good conversation with someone where you're listening and you're engaged. Again, personally, I don't feel anxiety when I am fully in the moment. And so that's why the book is called, you know, your journey to the present moment, because um, you're, most people are looking at this destination of where they want to go. And, it, and it's this destination mindset. And most people have this I'll be happy when attitude, right? I'll be happy when I get my first job, my spouse, my house, enough money, whatever it is, I'll be happy when. Yeah. But how about now? When, when are you actually going to be happy? And so and what I talk about is having a process mindset, because if you're always in the process of creating coherence, creating joy, creating love, creating uh, appreciation, then you're in, you're, you're in the moment and you're creating an uplifting, renewing sense rather than a foreboding, uncertain sense, which is what most people have. Yeah. <clears throat> I have to say that I find it fascinating when I start taking a look, for example, at the word coherence, um, uh, to be coherent, uh, to, to be understood. Uh, one of the, the definitions that I have here is the integration of uh, diverse elements, relationships, or values, as well as systemic or logical connection or consistency. And the reason I bring those up is because um, uh, I notice there's a lack of coherence uh, in uh, so many of our institutions, governmental, political. It's as if they come up with an idea, no matter how, no matter how harebrained it might be, and they think, well, because I hold this particular position in this, in this institution, <clears throat> my idea is a great idea. But there's been no thought as to how to implement it, um, who is going to implement it, how it's going to be created, by whom, um, and uh, what it's really going to accomplish. What about, uh, and not necessarily saying that now we got to do some environmental impact studies, but... <laughs> What's this going to do to the environment around it, whatever it is? It could be very localized, like right here in my studio. Or maybe it's something larger that how's this going to affect my community, my state, my country, or the, or the planet? Uh, and they don't think about the intended as well as the unintended consequences, and so forth and so forth and so on. And I guess what I really am uh, looking at in particular is for, and using this as an example, uh, Mark, this whole conversation about uh, getting rid of uh, petroleum-based uh, products uh, and fuels and the, the, the position some are taking against getting rid of them. And it's like, well, they didn't think about the intended or unintended consequences when they started using uh, uh, uh petroleum or oil from the ground and then burning it they didn't think about it in terms of spewing the the smoke and the gases into the air well we are now and there are other alternatives i don't know whether it's nuclear and i don't consider that sustainable either even though they say well initially when it's creating the energy it's clean yeah, well, okay, uh, if you want to stick to that story, I hope that you, uh, you can live with it because we can't live with the byproducts that are created after 
the fuel rods have been expended, although they are coming up with ways in which apparently they're able to um, reuse them in some fashion. Or I don't know if they can recharge them or not, or if there's a way. I don't know. But anyway, but this is just one example. And, and I think, wait a minute, Tesla came up with a method of free energy. Well, certainly that flies in the face of the petroleum industry, uh, of, of all of the utilities, you know, and on and on and on. And it's like, well, yeah, but if you do away with that institution and all energy is free, then you don't then then all these people that are working in the energy industry, they can go off and do other things. You know, they can go off and create other things. It creates new opportunities, just like this pandemic created. And that's what I thought of. I don't know about you, uh, Mark, but two years ago. When all of this started to unfold, even though we looked at it and said, oh, no, 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 don't shut everything down. No, wait a minute. It's going to change our way of life. And da, da, da. And of course, I believed that if we had done what we were asked to do, we would have been through it in three months. But we didn't. We refused as a population said, no, I have the freedom to blah, blah, blah. Well, <clears throat> but I also looked at it as there are opportunities that are going to come our way. We don't even know exist. Would you say that the anxieties that you've suffered through throughout your life, what opportunities did that create for you? Well, I, I mean, the anxiety that I have felt in my life is, is because up until, you know, maybe about five or 10 years ago, it was really the guiding force. It, it guided a lot of my decisions because there was things that I would want to do and not want to do because of the anxiety. And I found it very limiting. However, once I started getting into well, as a chiropractor and getting more into dealing with stress, it's opened up conversations with people um, that I deal with on a daily basis um, in ways that I never imagined. Just, you know, people coming in that you wouldn't think would express things to you. As soon as I started opening up my story to people, people started opening up to me. Um, and this whole ability to start helping people on a whole other level, um, you know, because I was a heart math certified trainer and I could get out there and, and, and deal with this with my patients, it's opened up a whole new world of, of how you can interact with people. And this, if I didn't suffer with anxiety, the chance of me going down this route of becoming a heart centered person of becoming a, a heart math certified trainer, being able to help people, you know, inspire them and change their lives. That wouldn't have been my route because that I would not have been looking at things through that, that, you know, um, uh, lens essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very grateful for what it's given me because it's given me connections with people that aren't superficial. I believe that what it's done for me is, is increased my ability to connect with people and increase my ability to help people that are willing to listen. And, you know, you started talking about, um, people making decisions and, uh, not always making sense. Um, what I like uh, to bring it back to sort of heart math, because it's such a big part of my life now, heart math works on three, um, three levels. One you mentioned at the beginning of the show, which is the global um, coherence initiative. Mm -hmm. And it also works on a personal level. In other words, I can change my own physiological state, but it also works on a community level so that if I get into coherence, my electromagnetic field, which can be measured several meters from my body will interact with anybody else in my field and you can help other people get more coherent. So for instance, when I start a business meeting, I will lead some breath work where we all get a little bit more coherent together. And that now our decision process is much 
uh, more efficient and we're making better decisions as a group. And before I go and treat people, I get myself coherent so that then I can help to pass that on to others. And it's amazing how we actually have an effect on the people around us. I mean, HeartMath did this uh, experiment with four people in cubicles and three of them had heart sensors on and they were instructed to get into heart coherence. The other one had a heart monitor on, but had no idea how to get into heart coherence. But as soon as the three of them got into heart coherence, within minutes, the fourth person's heart went right along with theirs and got right into a nice coherent rhythm because the other three, their electromagnetic field influenced the heart of that fourth person. And so this is happening all around us. And so once we understand how our energy influences those around us, we can start to affect not only our lives, but other lives. And so for me, anxiety has been a gift. I certainly didn't like the suffering I went through. Um, I would like to have had less suffering, but I wouldn't trade it. In other words, I wouldn't be where I am right now in life. I wouldn't have the same relationship with my kids and with my family and with my patients and with my friends and family if it weren't for me diving into this type of work. Um, That being the case, however, I don't think everybody needs to go down the route of suffering with anxiety for 30 years so that they can become a better person. I think that you can teach this stuff to kids at a very young age because kids don't have the same hangups as adults. You know, one of the one of the things I talk to um, people about is something simple as smiling, right? When you <laughs> smile into a mirror, just the act of smiling stimulates endorphin release in the body. It, it's connected to your muscle uh, contraction in your mouth. And so you have people go to a, a, a mirror and just start to smile. They actually start to feel better. But if I instruct my adult patients to go do that, there's a wall, there's, a, there's, there's an ego, there's something that prevents them from doing that. Whereas if you talk to a child, they don't have any of that. They're going to go to the mirror and start just doing silly faces and getting into it and having fun with it, because that's what kids do. And so you can start to teach these principles of how to get into coherence to kids at a very young age. And now they're growing up being heart-centered kids um, who are taking care of their community and the people around them. So um, I'm really um, in- encouraged of not only teaching this to adults and, and helping people who suffer with anxiety, but getting these, these tools out to kids who maybe aren't suffering yet. They haven't developed these patterns yet, and then hopefully they won't. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, We're talking with Dr. Mark Halperin, and we're talking about uh, the coherence revolution, and we hope that you will get involved in that revolution. We'll find out why you should uh, as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are so uh, grateful uh, for the insights uh, from Dr. Uh, Mark Halperin as we continue talking about the uh, coherence revolution. A fascinating uh, thing. You can go to CoherenceRevolution.com and uh, find out more about the work that he is discussing here. Uh, The book uh, is uh, for people who believe that life has more to offer than they have the ability and that they have the ability to become a better, uh, even an exceptional version of themselves. I've often said this, uh, uh, Dr. Mark Halperin, that that and I, I, I actually go to a biblical passage uh, when, I, when I refer to the, the aspect of perfection. 
It says, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I, I mused about that. I tried to understand that. And I pulled up a few Old Testament passages as well. And what came to me was this, that uh, perfection had nothing to do with good, bad, right, wrong, left, right, black, white, etc., etc. It had to do with just being. I am that I am, it says in the Old Testament. And um, that's perfection. So I'm already perfect. But this isn't about just being perfect and just being in the present moment because there's always room for improvement. I mean, we, we are evolving. We are transforming. Why do we go to school? I mean, why did you go to school, Doc? You, you wanted to pursue other things. You wanted to broaden your horizons, expand your capacity mentally, both mentally, physically, as well as emotionally and spiritually. And that's why we do the things that we do to do that expansion, just as the universe has been expanding. Oh, by the way, side note, I saw a, a wonderful 29, 30-minute video the other day uh, about how the universe... Uh, uh, is, is eventually going to collapse in on itself and there'll be nothing left. However, however, don't get scared, folks. This is going to take trillions, trillions with a T of years. So just, you know, relax. Uh, but I found it a fascinating conversation in this video. It was really interesting. Tell me about how one can begin the process of becoming a part of this coherence revolution. What, what is, let's say, the first step? Yeah, you can go to, to coherencerevolution.com. You can get yep. yourself a copy of the book. That's obviously yep. a great start. But yep. let's say, uh, you know, hey, I, I, I like this interview. I like what the doc is saying. Uh, what can I do right now, this moment, uh, to begin to become a part of this revolution, to affect change first in myself, that will then I don't want to say infect, bad choice of words this time of year, uh, this, this era, but to affect the people around me. They still have free will. That's another thing we could talk about as well. But to say, I want to encourage, to cajole, if you will. I don't want to coerce, all right? Yes. I don't want to pressure, but I want to be an influence so that we can move from survival to thrival yes so um first of all thank you for mentioning my website um what i've done for people on your um on your show today if you go to uh coherencerevolution.com forward slash 2022 we set up a special page um and if you go there coherence.com uh, coherencerevolution.com forward slash 22 2022 you can download a copy of the ebook for free. So I want people to have this information. You can go there. There's a code. You can download the book. There's also a code to join the course at 50% off for our launch that's happening January 31st. And there's a couple of other start dates in February and March. So anybody that's listening can certainly do that for um, either half the price for the course or get the free ebook and just start getting into it um, at, your, at your own disposal. But you know, to answer your question a little bit more thoroughly, the first thing people have to do um, is really to admit to themselves that their life is a little bit more overwhelming, more stressful, they're not quite as much control as they'd like to be. You know, the, most people don't want to be diagnosed. They don't want more therapy. They don't want to go in and have more appointments and more doctors. That's not what this is about. This isn't therapy. 
This is about people just saying to themselves, I don't like the amount of overwhelm, the amount of stress that I experience. And I know there's more out there. I know that there's a better way to live. And so if you can take a, a moment and pause and just sort of say, that's the way I feel about my life. I know I can be a better version of myself. Well, then this type of work is really for you because you're going to be able to dive in and there's worksheets and workbooks and things, you know, you can, if you're doing the live course, you'll get coaching to go through it. But the first thing you have to do is just sort of take a pause and say, I, I actually think that I could be a better version of myself. And, you know, as a very simple thing to do for people who are like, well, in the moment, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, just a very simple thing to do is to start practicing stomach breathing rather than chest breathing. Most people are chest breathers and all they do is do short, shallow breaths where they breathe in and their chest is heaving upwards. That creates a stress response. You can't make good decisions when you're in that state. So if you just pause when you're feeling overwhelmed and have to make a decision or you're going out with people that might make you a little stressed, what you should be doing is taking a breath through your stomach, taking a few deep breaths and just pause and get let the oxygen infuse throughout your whole body. You will feel a change in your physiological state if you do five or six slow breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. Then you can sort of re re um, look at what's going on in your life. But the fact is, is most people are trying to make decisions about their life in a, uh, in not an optimal state. They're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out. And so first thing to do is to pause, recognize that you want to make a change, take a few deep breaths. And then if you are so inspired, go find my, uh, my book at the website or join the course and, and, and really make a change in your life because um, it doesn't take a lot to start making a change. You just have to decide that that's what you want to do. Well, an interesting kicker I want to talk about as we continue here is uh, making those changes in one's life. That's the one constant in the universe. Uh, and, uh, of course, that's also part of this program is it changes, it grows, it evolves. We put new stuff out on that smorgasbord table for you to partake in. And we hope that you will as you continue listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for being with us. We are with uh, Dr. Mark Halpern and his Coherence Revolution, the title of the book, the title of the website. Of course, you need to add .com to that. But you can also get yourself a free copy by listening, because you've been listening to this program, or watching on YouTube uh, by uh, putting slash 2022 at the end of that. I have gone to that site as we've been talking, and uh, I've got the book now, and uh, uh, it's, 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 it's going to be a lot of fun. But there's also an audio element to this as well. Is that right? the not of the book the course is a live zoom it's, okay. a, it's an hour and a half it's an hour and a half zoom that we do we're going to do once a week and each week you're going to go into not only learning how to do heart math but there's really fun breakout rooms where you'll you'll be involved in all different types of um activities just to open your eyes to how the words you use affect your emotional state how the way that you feel affect, you know, the, the changing your emotional state, you can start to practice that. We give you time to do that. Um, we also do a really cool um, exercise at, uh, I think it's on week four, where we bring the senses together. And I've got a track of music. And the music has about 15 different tracks of all different kinds from drummers in Japan to classical music to rock to country, you name it, every genre is there. Mm -hmm. And 
we have people finger painting for a half an hour listening to this track of music and you've got maybe different smells going on in the background and you're essentially setting yourself up in a sensory um, way so that you're using all of your senses to see how different music changes your emotional state. And it's a really fun exercise because you're finger painting and you're really going through the music. Uh, and so we do all kinds of things like this over the six weeks as you're learning heart math and we're getting into subconscious beliefs. And I, I'm doing little bits of a lot of different things so that at the end of the six weeks, you will have had a taste of just so many different ways to change your physiological state. So hopefully it's a lot of fun for people and they're going to learn a lot along the way and um, they're going to learn how to do heart math and in the moment change their emotional state. CoherenceRevolution.com slash 2022, uh, which by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I have dubbed this year and this year only in the decade of perfect vision. This year is deuces wild translated opportunities abound. And we hope that you will take advantage of them during this year, uh, only because deuces are wild. But that doesn't mean that opportunities will discontinue to abound in 2023 and beyond. But, hey, we're just, we're just playing with the numbers, okay? Deuces wild. Get out there and participate in those opportunities as you continue listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we are so pleased to have Dr. Mark Halpern with us here on the program to talk about Coherence Revo the Coherence Revolution and the book entitled Coherence Revolution. And, um, I, you know, <clears throat> you've, you've said some very interesting things, especially in light of words that we use. Now, I have been saying for decades that words have power. And I got into a debate with somebody uh, during one of the political campaigns about things that were said. And they said, oh, Richard, you're so naive. Come on. It doesn't mean anything. It's, it's just politics. And I, I, I thought about that. And this goes back to the whole aspect of being coherent. I said, that doesn't make any sense. Because... This individual who's saying these words that I have a problem with uh, has an intent. Intention, you and I we do agree, would agree that intention is, is extremely important. So this person has an intention to get elected to this particular office. Well, why? Why? Well, because they want to have that power and that control, uh, that decision-making uh, ability and so forth. So they have an intention to get into that office. So they will say and or do just about anything to get that position. So that means that the words that they are using are intentional, intent, intentional. Uh, and um, that's one of the reasons why during the 2015, 2016 campaign nationally, uh, I had a real problem. It wasn't politics. It wasn't the policies of this individual. It was the words they were saying and the intent with which they were saying them. I said, I don't want somebody like that in that position. That's, I had that in school. I don't, want, I, I don't like bullies. And so let's talk a little bit about that, about why it is so important to be so, I don't want to say necessarily careful, uh, and I don't want to overuse the word intention, to, but to be so intentional about the words that you choose to use. Do you, um, do you know who Masaru Emoto is? 
Uh, I do. Is he not the Japanese gentleman who... Hidden, hidden messages in water. In water, yes. And, I, and what, fascinating. What he basically, I, I, the, uh, in the first time he did it, he took a group of students down to a, uh, a lake by where they were, and they took back these water, uh, glasses of water, and they froze them. And they found all kinds of different uh, things. In other words, they had different glasses of water, and they would fr frozen them. And what they found was that depending upon the words either said to the glass, literally speaking to the glass, mm -hmm. or they'd write a word on the glass, different beautiful crystals would form or not form. So when they wrote the word love on this glass, beautiful crystals would form. And when they wrote the word hate, no crystals would form. And he's got now volumes of books where he compared hard rock music to, um, you know, Elvis Presley to the Beatles and different words and different ways of saying things. And essentially the message was the words carry a vibration and th those words affect can affect the cellular um, activity in water mm -hmm. and human beings are made up of. 70, 80% water. Yep. And so we are perceiving the vibration of the way people speak to us. So in one of, in one of the exercises in my, in my course, people go into a breakout room and we give each other permission because I want you to feel it. And so we give each other permission to say things to people that we don't know. And one of the things is you're going to look right in the camera and you're going to stare at someone and you're going to say, I hate you. And boy, I, even though you knew it was coming, it doesn't feel so good to hear it. And the opposite is, I love you. I appreciate you. You're a great person. You don't even know the person, but just hearing those words feels amazing. Yeah. And the idea is that you can feel the intention behind someone's words. And, you you know, go out and just uh, experiment with this. When you're around different people, the words they use, the intention behind it, you can feel it. And so I think that you're right. You should be very intentional in the way you speak to your loved ones, the way you speak to people you don't know. When I'm with my patients, I'm very intentional about the way I speak because your words can be, have a direct impact on their physiological state. And, you know, I have people that will come into my office and I may not have done much that day uh, in terms of my adjustment with them. Maybe it was just one small thing I adjusted, but our interaction goes beyond that. If I've given them, maybe I've recognized that person's been a little down. Sometimes I'll just give them a bit, bit of a pick-me-up and tell them how proud I am of them. I'm just their mm -hmm. chiropractor. I'm not their parent, I'm, you know, but I'm proud of them. And you can see the way they walk out of the office. It's a whole different person. They, they, their, their shoulders are back. They're standing up and they feel appreciated and they feel loved. And that changes their entire day. So I think that you're right. The way you speak to people or speak to anybody, it can affect those around us. And so yeah. it's very important to watch the way you speak to people and also choose your words uh, very intentionally. Yeah. I, 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 I just, I, I, I'm just so amazed. Somebody said to me not long ago, uh, came up to me and said, I want to show you something. I want to show you something because you insulted me earlier today. And I'm going, and to this particular person, I would never do that. They're too important to me. I would never. And if I said something that they took as insulting, I'm, I'm unaware of it because they never brought it up at the time. So I said, well, wait a minute, when did I insult you? And I was I was rather indignant about it. I, I was maybe borderline offended by the fact that they were accusing me of insulting them, you know, because I don't want to do that to this person. Well, this person cut <laughs> indignant back to me. And said, oh, never mind. And walked off. So they never did show me what it was they were going to show me. 
if this person had just come up to me and just said, I, I want to show you something. Uh, and then maybe after showing me, they could have said um, something cute and funny and lighthearted in that regard. Um, then that would have been fine. I didn't know whether this person was playing. And they were. They were just playing around when they said it because you insulted me this morning. Um, but I, I, you know, it, and so, so um, I thought that was just, that was strange. And we since, you know, rectified all of that and we were fine. But, you know, it's, it's really interesting how sometimes the littlest of things can sort of set us off. And that's real important because there's that, there's that difference between being incoherent and coherent. And the difference is reacting as opposed to acting, if you yeah. will. And by the way, in my acting class with my dear friend Ramona, who is no longer with us on this plane, I went through one of her acting classes and she would tell us when we were doing a scene where there was a lot of a lot of anger and, and frustration and she wanted that to come out. She would have us turn to the person that we were going to be acting with and say to them, ask them, do I have your permission to attack you in this in this script and obviously the answer would be yes and if it was no well then she would probably choose someone else i'm sure but usually we we would give permission we say sure because we knew this was just acting but i thought that was really important when i heard her do that and uh it's not necessarily okay uh mark uh um can I have your permission to insult you and just belittle you and, and all of that right now? Can I, can I do that? Uh, can I have your permission to do that? Because your beard, careful now, watch out, careful, because I got one too. Uh, intention is really important, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, and, you know, you, you've said a few times in, this, uh, in our conversation about religion and about um, sort of the messages from religion. Yeah. Uh, and we talked a little bit about uh, the Global Coherence Initiative. I'm not sure if you know exactly how it all started, but it's, it's fascinating to me. Um, September 11th, 2001, the planes hit the building. HeartMath had uh, researchers around the globe monitoring the Earth's electromagnetic field. I believe they, at different points along the globe, they had a couple of researchers joining other researchers. And on that day, there was a blip in the, in the Earth's electromagnetic field. And the blip was at the, at the same frequency as the human heart. And so what they came to the, the, the theory was that there was enough people with the emotion of, um, of grief looking at their television sets that it actually changed the Earth's electromagnetic field. Yeah. And so from that day on, the Global Coherence Initiative sort of was born with the theory being that if we all held the same emotion at the same time, we could fix the ozone, we could fix the climate change, we could fix all the problems of the Earth simply by holding the emotion of love. Yeah. And so it, it dawned on me that perhaps that every religion and spiritual teacher that I've been made aware of Maybe they're all saying the same thing, mm -hmm. that the power of love can heal. And that if we all really spread love, not only would we affect ourselves and our community, but we can literally save the planet. 
And it really is intriguing to me that there is research being done on this right now, and that it's not just um, you know a, a a thought anymore. This is a theory that's being trying to be proved, and they're working on it. So, to me, that's just a fascinating way of looking at the world. That if we all put out a little bit more love, not only are we affecting ourselves and our loved ones, but we literally could save the planet. And I just think that's a, a wonderful concept. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I remember the, hearing that story uh, from one of the representatives that we had on uh, following 9-11, uh, probably a couple of years. And they actually said that that blip began to appear um, maybe, I want to say, upwards of 15 minutes prior to the first plane hitting the building. In other, in other words, it was as if the planet knew that yeah. something, didn't know what, was about to happen. And that, to me, also is fascinating. Yes. Uh, that that there, is, there is almost, almost a um, uh, sort of um, detector, if you will, of future events. Again, not knowing what those future events are, but that something monumental is about to happen. We'd prefer it to be something of a <laughs> a loving thing, but, uh, you know, we, we can't, can't control those things. Uh, again, you know, this is, to me, it's fascinating. And I, I, I actually want to ask you about this before we wrap this program up. Uh, and this program, by the way, for those of you who are listening and watching, is called Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are here talking with uh, Dr. Mark Halperin, and we are talking about the coherence revolution. I want to ask you, you know, we're talking about how our energies go out and so forth, uh, and it, it, it influences and inf uh, not infects, I don't want to, uh, affects, affects others. But that doesn't mean that their free will is being usurped because they can still choose to stay in that cranky, angry, hateful, uh, bitter state if they choose to do so. Uh, that's entirely up to them. So it's, it's no guarantee that we're going to change the world for the better. But we stand a far sight better chance of changing the world for the better for everyone by being in a more loving and peaceful state. Talk to us about that versus, again, a conversation I've been having time and time again of late about free will versus what some people believe is our predestined future, if you will. Well, I mean, it depends on, uh, there's so many different ways of looking at it from a quantum model, you know, if you're quantum physics, there, time is, you know, uh, very arbitrary. Um, but when I look at how we affect the world, the people around us, um, you know, I, I almost look at uh, learning um, heart math as my superpower, because as you're, you're, you're practicing it, you can um, project it outwards and you can start to affect other people around you. And, uh, you know, I sometimes let Sam out for dinner. I've had, uh, there was this one instance that I can remember. Uh, we were at a table and there was, uh, the waiter was having obviously a hard day. And the waiter was not um, really treating us well and was making quite a few mistakes. And I thought either I'm going to call the manager over or I'm going to practice heart math. And what I'm going to do is without anybody knowing, I'm just going to send love out to this guy. And so sure enough, about five minutes later, he comes over to the table and he says, you know, I just want to apologize to you. I've been having a really 
tough day. Um, I didn't mean to take it out on this table, but thank you for your, your patience and the rest of the meal, you know, will be much smoother. And I just remember in my mind thinking, you know, I created that because I shared this with him. Um, now, did I take away his free will? No. But what I probably did is my electromagnetic field interacted with his. Mm -hmm. Maybe it made him a little bit more coherent. Maybe that created a, a, a space for him to rethink his behavior. Mm -hmm. But whatever it was, it was still up to him to choose how he behaved. But if, if I can impart a little bit of balance into his life without him knowing it, I don't see a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, you're not doing anything for mind control, but you certainly will affect his uh, physiological state. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, two examples I have. <clears throat> uh, one has to do with a situation where I was involved in a non-injury auto accident that totaled my Volvo. Uh, and it was between a Volvo and an, a BMW. Now, I don't know if his vehicle was totaled or repaired. All I know is that I was then able to buy a truck. But here's the point. <clears throat> I was shaken up by the whole thing. Uh, I was I was in the right. Uh, not that that really matters, that he was he 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 made a, a tactical error and and he's going to have to pay for that uh, down the road. But we go through the preliminaries. The police show up. The, we're going through the whole thing. Uh, I make my phone calls. He makes his phone calls and the police are there. And as we're wrapping things up and I am uh, fortunately the vehicle is I can drive it away, but it's still toast. Um, I walked up to the gentleman in intentionally in front of the police officer. And I extended my hand and I said, I want to shake your hand and I want to say I'm glad that the two of us are okay. Now, I want you to go out and make it a better day than this because I'm going to. Because I'm going to come across, this is a small town, Santa Barbara, and I'm going to come across this guy somewhere down the road one of these days. And the last thing I want is that energy, that following us around and and it wasn't necessarily his fault or mine it's just something that happened and we learned from it and now we, let's move on and let's make this a better a better place and a better day and and we did and of course we we got our truck that we've been wanting for years the second example very briefly i got sucked into the political uh uh a uh, uh, <laughs> tidal wave in uh, september of 2016 Mm -hmm. uh, the last thing I wanted, I was trying to stay as far away from it as I could, but I got sucked in anyway. Took me six months to get unsucked, just so you know. <laughs> but I went through four phases with the man who then became president at that time. And, and as I shared with you earlier, and the first phase was, it was probably the hardest to utter out loud. And I had to utter it out loud. And that was, thank you, teacher. Oh, I don't want to call him a teacher, you know, for teaching me how not to behave. The right. second phase was, a few months later, was um, I forgive you, but more importantly, I forgive myself for allowing myself to be drawn into the quagmire. The third phase was from a very heart-centered place. What is it that, make, that you're so afraid of that makes you behave and speak the way that you do? And then the fourth phase that one of my guests shared with me was, Again, coming from that same heart-centered space, three words, and they have to be genuinely meant. That this person has the right to be here just like I do. I love you. Mm. You're a human being. And, and, and personalities aside, I love you. 
You know, I want what's best. I want the best for you, just like I want the best for me. And um, that's and, and, and someone even said and on this program even said, what if what if the news media had responded in exactly the opposite? I'm not saying embracing. But not attacking. Mm. What if they had not attacked and just presented the information? What do you think would have happened? Well, we'll never know at this particular point. But, you know, it's like what we've both experienced in our lives. When you go at it from a position, an intention of love and compassion and peace, guess what comes back? Love and compassion and peace, right? Mm-hmm. And that, and to me, is the there. coherent revolution right there. Yes. Well put. This is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for being with us, Mark. Dr. Mark Halpern is my guest, and I have uh, three final questions that I love to ask my guests. But first, sure. I want to thank you for The Coherent Revolution. It's a book. It's available at CoherentRevolution.com. Put a slash coherence. 2022. Coherence. coherence Revolution. Not coherent. Yes. Coherence. Coherence. Yes. Okay. CoherenceRevolution.com slash 2022, where you can get a free copy of the book, uh, as well as the audio tracks, I believe, that go along with it. Well, it's a live course. They get 50% off the live course. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And music, that's another area we could talk about. Maybe we'll have you back and talk more about how music can influence our individual coherence factor, if you will. I think it'd be fantastic to do. Um, But thank you for being with us here on the program. This has been fabulous. Yes, thank you for having me. It's a great conversation. I want to remind our listeners and our viewers as well that we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and our special edition of Tell Me Your Story, 9 a.m., on Wednesdays, and we hope that you will listen to those broadcasts, uh, and we hope that you will do so online at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are available at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, I think it's Burberry, not Blueberry, Burberry, as well as iHeart and uh, many other locations on the internet, as well as watching these interviews on YouTube. The YouTube channel is Tell Me Your Story. Just look for the guy with the black hat and we also encourage you if you are of a mind to do so and you're able to we'd love to have your financial support for this program just go to paypal it's for your security as well as ours and when you put in the name the email address to send the uh, funds to use richard at richarddugan.com that's richard at richarddugan.com we'd greatly appreciate any amount you know what we'll even take kind words a matter of fact i was listening to the wednesday edition and uh i got a phone call from someone who wanted to ask, have me ask the guest a question, thinking it was live. And I, I had to tell him, oh, I'm sorry, uh, but they're not live. This is a recorded program. Uh, but I do believe that the answer to your question is yes, you know, and so forth. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll take energetic support because that, that felt really good. To, to, for her to compliment me and the program and the guest. Great guest. Really love the subject. I've really, it was perfect for this time. So, uh, you know, 
We'll take energetic support as well. Financial support is also greatly appreciated. And do participate in the decade of 2020, the decade of perfect vision, uh, as well as the year of the deuce is wild where opportunities abound, folks. Spend time going within and listening to that still small voice. Another area that we we could have gone into as well, uh, Dr. Mark Halperin. Uh, And to that end, let us go to the three final questions in the lightning round of the game show, Tell Me Your Story, where we... We ask these three questions of all of our guests. You may have addressed them to some degree during the program, but I like to ask them directly. The first of those three is, who is Mark Halperin? I, I am one of everybody. I am, the, I am everybody who is trying to just get through life. And the fact is, I'm trying to do it in an inspired way. So I am someone who's looking for the best in life and and to create the most inspired life I can for myself and those I love. And that's what I want other people to do as well. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Well, I, I think Coherence Revolution, I mean, our goal is to help millions of people globally to self-regulate and change their emotional state. Um, if that's if I can even affect uh, a small change in how people view the world around them and to be able to manage their lives in a way that doesn't stress them out, we've done a good job. So uh, to get inspired and to have people live an inspired and, and renewed life. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to explore and uh, and have no boundaries on my journey. Uh, I mean, you know, every time I think I understand what my purpose is, um, it changes. And so really it's to have an open heart and an open mind and to just go where the path leads me and not to have too many um, too many doors or too many things that I'm going to say no to so that I can just see what life brings. My ultimate goal is to just experience everything the world has to offer. Uh, and when you have an open heart and an, uh, an inspiration behind you, the chance of you uh, ex- having a, a pretty fun journey is going to be a little bit more assured. Well, again, I thank you so much for joining us. And by the way, um, I used to see a chiropractor on a regular basis back in Phoenix, and it was in trade for some other work I was doing for her. I got to tell you, I believe it or not, I actually loved, I enjoyed those adjustments. Yes. Uh, the, the popping sound was a little disconcerting at first, but I'm going, yeah. oh boy, I can, I can hardly wait to get there uh, yes. and, 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 and be popped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, it really is. I really enjoy it. I thank you again for joining us. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast podcast videocast, love to lol.